My guest on today's podcast is Dr. Debbie Silber, who has worked in the area of personal development for over 27 years. But her work took on a new focus after she experienced betrayal in her family and in her marriage. Coming out of those experiences, Debbie earned her Ph.D. in transpersonal psychology and developed the PBT Institute, helping women experience post-betrayal transformation. For more information about Debbie and to easily access the resources we mention in this podcast, go to affairhealing.com slash podcast 401. Welcome to The Recovery Room, a podcast presented by AffairHealing.com. Here's your host, Tim Tedder. As part of her PhD program, Debbie Silber conducted a study on how women experience betrayal, looking at what holds them back and what helps them heal. In our phone conversation, I asked Debbie to talk about what she learned from that study. I was absolutely blown away by what showed up within that study. It changed my life. It's changed the lives of the people I work with, and it's just completely put me on a new path. Well, tell us a little bit about I'm sure the listeners are wanting to know what were those profound insights that you gained. Yeah, we actually made uh, three discoveries. And the first was that we can stay stuck after a betrayal. And really, I was studying the betrayal of a family member, a partner, or a friend when I was looking for study participants. And it was interesting because I couldn't find anyone who was so broken, of course, whenever broken, bent, right, from, uh, from the betrayal of a friend. Then I had to change it to the betrayal of a family member or a partner. And one of the, the obvious discoveries was we can stay stuck for decades, a lifetime, but if we're going to move from that place of shock you know, to this place of transformation, we're going to go through five proven predictable stages. So that was one the other one, uh, one of the other ones was that there's a collection of symptoms so common to betrayal, it's become known as post-betrayal syndrome. And the third was, originally I was studying something called post-traumatic growth, which is the benefit of the trauma. What new insight do you have? What have you gained? What do you now see so clearly? Things like that. But I, I had a feeling healing from betrayal was so different than healing from death of a loved one, disease. I've been through all of them, and it felt very different, mm. but I didn't want to assume it. Brought it back out to my study participants. Sure enough, they agreed it was so different. So coined a new term, post-betrayal transformation. Well, I'm sure some of our listeners are sitting forward listening as you talk mm-hmm. about how this trauma differs from other traumas and even how some people can stay stuck in this for a very long time. And I know in our work, there are some people that move through it. I won't say quickly. Very few people ever move through this kind of pain in a very quick way. But some move through it, and others, years later, don't seem to have moved at all. So you talk about these five stages. If someone's really going to get to the place of transformation, of healing, what are some of these stages that they're going to need to move through? First, I want to mention, there were a few women in my study who did not move forward. Some experienced post-betrayal transformation and some didn't. And I'll tell you, it was always 
a certain set of characteristics or circumstances around the reasons why they didn't. One was if the betrayer had no consequences. If the betrayer had no consequences, the only consequence I saw from the person I studied was they got even more sick, even more powerless, and the relationship deteriorated. That's what I saw. The other thing was if they did whatever they could to numb, distract, avoid, and not face it, not deal with it. So, for example, they would medicate themselves or they would drink or they would Mm. just do anything to not deal And the other thing was, if they just refused to accept it, they just didn't go through that process of, there is a grieving process, the loss of the relationship, the changes, all of that. If they didn't do that, they didn't heal. So the ones who did, and it was interesting because I thought, and, and here's where as a researcher, you're supposed to put all your own ideas aside and just see what shows up. And I really had to put this idea aside that the women who, in my estimation, weren't as hard hit, let's say, as the ones who were, I thought they would heal the most. And I was dead wrong. It was the ones who faced it head on, decided to move through these stages. And at all costs, they said, no, 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 I'm going to heal. Those were the ones that did. But the ones who didn't accept it, had, the betrayer had no consequences, numbed, avoided, they didn't heal. Sounds like research that really goes along with Brene Brown's book, The Gifts of Imperfection, the willingness mm-hmm. to be vulnerable, the willingness to step into pain and go through that instead of yeah. numbing or perfecting or pretending or all those things. Mm-hmm. I mean, your research mm-hmm. bore that out. And specifically when it comes to betrayal. And I mean, let's face it, it, it is so painful. It's hard mm-hmm. facing these things. You know, we're slaying all of our dragons. And, you know, the, the thing with betrayal, too, is it's so intentional. So we take it so personally, and and that's the part that hurts the most, you know, and that was one of the biggest distinguishing factors between, let's say, um, you know, death of a loved one compared to betrayal. With death of a loved one, you miss them, you're sad, you mourn their loss, but you don't question their love. You know, Mm -hmm. with something like betrayal, it's a direct hit, and things like our confidence, a feeling of rejection, abandonment, trust, worthiness, I mean, everything is brought up. So besides having to heal from the loss, we have to rebuild every aspect of the self that was just absolutely destroyed by the betrayal. Were there other ways in which trauma of betrayal was distinct from other forms of PTSD? PTSD, I'm so glad you brought that up because so often we feel like PTSD is reserved for like the war vet. You know, they hear a car backfire and they feel like they're back, you know, in battle. And it is so real for people Mm -hmm. who've, who've experienced betrayal. They're not just thinking about it. When they're triggered, they're re-experiencing it. Their body feels like it's back there on that first day of discovery, you know, when they discovered their betrayal. So it's so real and the body's acting as if they're just learning about it. The mind knows that's not the case and there's this big confusion and we go through so much mentally and emotionally because here we are doing our best trying to move forward and we're like, why do we have to deal with this too? You know, It's a huge distinguishing factor. It's not just the pain of it. There's so much emotional pain in, in stage two and I can go over them. That was one of the biggest issues and and challenges that women face. And I only studied women. I mean, men may present very differently. Do you want me to go through the five stages? Yeah, please do. Sure. So the first one is like a setup phase. And this is just consistently what I saw with everybody. And this was my own experience. So there's no judgment. There's no blame. This doesn't mean if this is what you do, 
you will experience a betrayal. This is just what I saw with everybody. So the first one was, if you picture a table, and the table has four legs, imagine those four legs being physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual. And what I found in every single woman was they were really leaning hard on the mental and the physical and really neglecting that emotional and the spiritual. So it's almost like here we had this big, gigantic to-do list and our bodies are taking us around to do that, you know, and really neglecting those other two legs. But think about it. When we are prioritizing the physical and the mental and we're turning down the emotional and the spiritual, we're also turning down our intuition. So every woman in the study also said, you know, something didn't feel right, but I couldn't quite put my finger on it. Or, I don't know, something just wasn't right. And that was because they were so busy doing they didn't have their intuition sharpened as it normally would uh, because, they, right. you know, that's the thing. We get blindsided. We don't see this coming. So that was stage one. And then there's the betrayal. Then there's the shock. It's a shock to the body and mind, and it's completely imprinted on us. And stage two is the breakdown of the body, the mind, the worldview. And what this looked like was there's a breakdown of the body. When your body is shocked like that, your stress response is ignited. So now any stress-related symptom, illness, condition, disease is headed your way because your body is not meant to be under that kind of stress for a prolonged period of time. So the body starts going crazy and where, you know, here you're experiencing things like extreme fatigue or so many gut issues. I'm glad you're bringing that out. You talk mm-hmm. about that first stage being a, kind of a life out of balance as the precursor mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. betrayal is going to be significantly more damaging to a life that's already a little bit out of mm-hmm. balance. But I think a lot of people, when they think about stress, and we've all been through stress, People think that just this internal mechanism that's more mental, maybe a little bit of emotional. You're talking about how stress affects us physiologically in very significant Mm -hmm. ways. Oh, absolutely. And when that stress response is ignited, then the one thing it will always do, it'll impact the adrenal glands. I mean, this is where blood and oxygen rush to your heart, lungs, and limbs to potentially save you from that saber-toothed tiger. But if we're in that state 24-7 for a prolonged period of time, the body can't take that. So, Mm -hmm. you know, now we have weight issues or we'll have hormonal shifts and thyroid issues and digestive issues and extreme fatigue and accelerated aging and I mean so many things so the body is going crazy the mind is now in this state of complete chaos and overwhelm and brain fog and we can't wrap our minds around this because think about it if the people we trust the most prove untrustworthy you know who do we trust or when the people we run to and other people are hurting are the ones causing the harm Everything is just Mm. up in the air. And here's the breakdown of the worldview. So the worldview is how you view the world, your mental model, based on, okay, I can trust you. This is safe. This is what I do. These are the rules. With a betrayal, that is completely shattered. Now, think about it. If you have no more sense of order, you don't know who you can trust and who you can't trust. Your body is going crazy. Your mind is going crazy. This is a really scary stage. And this is where the bottom bottoms out on you. And now think about it. If the bottom were to bottom out, you're walking down the street, what would you do? You would grab onto whatever you could to 
stay safe and stay alive. And that's stage three. And that's survival instincts emerging. And this was the most practical stage. This is where am I going to live? What am I going to do? How am I going to feed my kids? Mm -hmm. Who can I speak to? You know, if you can't help me, get out of my way. It was extremely practical. But this is the stage, again, the stress response is ignited. This is not a place to rebuild. You're in a complete state of chaos. But I'll tell you, this is the stage right here. People stay in this stage for a lifetime. Well, and I think they feel like they're doing work. They're just wondering why isn't it benefiting me? It's not getting them anywhere. They're spinning wheels. They're maybe going to a bunch of counseling. They're making every effort. They're trying to put up boundaries. They're watching their spouse. They're trying to do everything to kind of keep their life under control, but they remain in that stress. Some of the words you used, we hear them describe people saying, I feel like I'm always on alert. There's always things that are triggering me. It's that constant stress that just stays at a high level and it wears them out. It does. It's exhausting. And, you know, the hypervigilance where they're always, you know, on guard, on alert, just like what you said. And it's an exhausting state and just this sense of survival. If you're walking around looking over your shoulder and, and never feeling safe. And that's the issue with betrayal, too. It could take, you know, 20, 30, 40 years to build and it's shattered in an instant and you just it's like a wall of like a brick wall and you know how does it go back up again brick by brick by brick so well thankfully there's not just three stages some people feel when they're in that third stage that this is my lot in life it's never Uh going to change it's never going to get better but it can Mm -hmm. and it does for many you said that because (laughs) here's the stage where we are we're reeling, right? We, we've had our experience. We're just trying to make any kind of sense out of this. And this is also, I remember one of my mentors saying, you know, here's where you've been delivered a seed of greatness because you have an opportunity now. You can't take it back. You can't undo it. But what you can do is create your greatest life because of your biggest crisis. And you have that opportunity that you can now see, start to see right here. And here's where... Once we figure out how we can survive and how we can move through this, we start to move into stage four. And stage four is finding and adjusting to a new normal. Your old normal doesn't exist anymore. It's no longer an option. You've had a psychological earthquake where your world is now before it happened and after it happened. It will not go away. But what you can do here, if you've ever moved, let's just say, you know, your new house, condo, apartment, office, whatever, it's not cozy, it's not familiar, but it's going to be okay. That's kind of what this stage is about, where you're moving on, you're moving to your next steps, whether that's with the person who betrayed you or not, and you know it'll be okay. Your stress response at this stage, at least you're not causing damage. You may not be rebuilding or creating health at this stage, but at least you slow down the destruction, the physical destruction that was being caused. So now think about it. If you moved, let's say you moved into this you know, new space, you're making it your own. Once you feel safe, once you feel, okay, I can make this work, I got this, you slowly move into the fifth stage. And this is healing, rebirth, and a new worldview. Let's pause just for a moment so that I can tell you two quick ways that you can get more personal help for problems you might be facing. The first is through personal, private coaching sessions that you can have with any of our counselors. Both phone and video options are available. For more information or to sign up, go to affairhealing.com slash coaching. But if you have a single question that you would like us to eventually address... 
call our question hotline, 407-536-7398. It'll go right to voicemail. You can leave a question that we will address in a future article or podcast. Again, that number is 407-536-7398. Now let's return to the podcast. the fifth stage, and this is healing, rebirth, and a new worldview. When you're in this stage, your body starts to heal. You've turned down the stress response, and now you have the bandwidth for self-care, to eat better, to move. That was the last thing on your mind when you were just trying to figure out your life, and now here you are. You actually have the bandwidth for it. Your mind starts to heal because now you're creating a whole new set of beliefs and set of rules based on what you've been through. And there's a new worldview now based on who you've become because of your experience. And that table, the four legs of the table, now we're not just prioritizing the physical and the mental. We are paying attention to the emotional and the spiritual too. Well, Debbie, what I love about your fourth and fifth stages, they really do focus on the thing that is new. It focuses on change. And and it seems that many women who are stuck in that third stage They don't want to think about change. They don't want to necessarily think about the thing that's new because they just want what they had, what they thought was, you know, that was my normal. That was the thing that was familiar. That was the thing that was comfortable to me. Someone took it away from me, and I'm frustrated by that. I'm hurt by that. And that desperate longing to just get back to that normal keeps them stuck. It seems that your fourth and fifth stage require an openness for change and growth. Is that right? It's a, you're absolutely right. It's a willingness. It, it is. It's a willingness. And even though they may have wanted what they had, it just means it was familiar. If you think about it, it doesn't necessarily mean it was good. It just means it was familiar. But sometimes there needs to be a complete, absolute destruction in order for something beautiful to be rebuilt. Like I always use this example, and you'll see it so clearly. Here's the difference between resilience, let's say bouncing back, and transformation. And I'll use this example of a house. Let's say a house needs you know, a new boiler. You get a new boiler, that's resilience, or it needs a paint job, and you paint, that's resilience, or it needs a new roof, you get a new roof, that's resilience. Transformation is like this, or tornado comes by and levels your house. A new boiler's not going to fix it, a new paint job's not going to fix it, a new roof's not going to fix it. In fact, all three aren't going to fix it. Now, with betrayal, you have every right, just like we'll use our house example, to stare at the lot where your house once stood and say, this is the most tragic, horrible, awful thing that's ever happened, and you'd be right. And you can call all your friends over and say, look at this. This is terrible, horrible, awful, tragic, and they would all agree. You don't have to do anything. But should you choose to rebuild your house, you could rebuild anything. Why not build the most beautiful, magnificent house you've ever had? That's the position you're in. (laughs) Yes. It's it's never going to be the same. It can be worse or it can be better. Why not make it better on the other side of all this mess? That's it. If you're going to bother healing, why not make it better? I mean, that was exactly (laughs) what happened with my marriage. It was a complete crash and burn. Mm. But it gave both of us an opportunity to say, okay, I remember thinking to myself, well, you know, I didn't like how I showed up. And if I'm going to redo this, it's based on a very new version of me and a very new version of him. Or it's just, it's just too hard. I'm just, it wouldn't have been worth it for me personally if we both wouldn't have been completely different people. Yeah. 
Let's go back to that group of women you talked about earlier, the, the ones that do seem to just get stuck. For whatever mm-hmm. reasons, they don't move forward. You've talked about some of the things that you observed. Mm-hmm. What do you do in your attempts to try to help people who feel stuck, who have maybe been stuck for a while, begin to move forward towards transformation, yeah. towards healing? That's exactly why I have my online program. It's, it's because now we know physically, mentally, emotionally what happens at every stage and what it takes to move from one to the next. So it's available to them, but that doesn't mean they're ready. I know, having been on both sides of this, that there is so much pain and so much physical illness and so much just distraught and your life is completely on hold as you are so desperately clinging on to what was I mean here for example because of my betrayal I did the study we made these discoveries I'm sitting here in the PBT post betrayal transformation Institute that I opened because of it new programs new books so there's such a beautiful upside to healing and when you allow yourself that healing you will find, and everybody that I studied who did heal saw this, the strongest, most vibrant, healthiest version of themselves that they never, ever would have seen had they not gone through what they did. We see that too. The ones that do make it to that place of experiencing the healing, the transformation, are the ones who have the stories to tell. We can remember what it was like being in the depths of of the stress and, and, oh. the, and sometimes depression and wondering if is life ever going to change. That's a familiar place, but there's hope for something different. And I love it that people like you are out there saying, listen, I've been through it. Let me help you get through it too. Yeah. And you know, I'll tell you though, there are so many benefits of staying stuck. And this is, this is what, you know, <laughs> when you realize this, we realize, wow, I really have to give all this up. I mean, think about it. If you, of course, these are benefits to the ego, benefits to the small self. So you have to give up being right. <laughs> think about it. Being right feels good. You have to give that up. You have to give up self-pity. You have to give up sympathy. You have to give up your story. You know, you have to give up having someone to blame. You have to give up justifying inaction. You know, I can't do that. Look what I've been through. Things like that. You Mm -hmm. have to give all of that up, and those become very comfortable crutches. And I know people listening are getting very angry with me right now, but I've been there. (laughs) Some are, I'm sure, yes. (laughs) (laughs) But that's exactly what I did because I was hanging on to those things. I was so right, and I had such a story, and I had such a case. I was building my case. But what happens when you do, first of all, you gain freedom. You gain freedom. You gain health. You're going to look better. You're actually going to look more youthful because you're going to stop this accelerated aging that's been created. Your your hormones will stop going crazy on you. I mean, so many physical changes that will happen, you get a much better story, and you get to be the hero or the heroine of your story. You get to be a role model for other people. You get opportunities that would never have come your way if you were carrying that 50-pound boulder of pain because then you can't see in front of you. You put that down, you could see what's in front of you. You, don't, you can't see it when you're hanging on to all that. I wonder if you could think of two or three suggestions that someone listening to this who is maybe in that third stage, second or third stage, mm-hmm. and... You know, the question is, are they going to move forward to the fourth and fifth stage? How quickly will they move forward towards those things? 
Can you think of two or three things that you would suggest may be most important for them to be thinking or doing right now? And along with that, what are two or three things that you'd most suggest that they avoid? (laughs) Now, after doing this study and and reading about 150 studies on on trauma (laughs) betrayal, (laughs) I can promise you staying stuck is a choice. And I I would never have said that before I did the research myself, uh, but staying stuck is a choice. So, you know, let let me just let me just stop there, Debbie, because, again, Mm -hmm. those people that are mad at you are probably screaming at their cell phones or whatever they're listening to this right now, driving in their car, (laughs) because that's probably where we get the biggest pushback when we begin to suggest Mm -hmm. that, listen, you don't have to be the victim here. You have a choice of how you are going to heal, whether or not your partner is cooperating in the healing or not. You've got to make a choice. So, I mean, I, I'd love to hear you agreeing with us on that account as well. But, but people get defensive about that. And I get it. And having been there, I know what that feels like to not be ready to hear that. And it's infuriating. So I, I so appreciate it. And all my brothers and sisters who were there with me, I get it. And I, and I know how annoying it is to hear and, and I also know that trust has been destroyed. So there's this element of why should I believe you? And I get that. I, I get that. But there's a reason why I've completely turned my business into helping people heal from betrayal, you know, because I've been through not just, not just you know, with my husband. I had a, a, a huge family betrayal too. So I get the blindsided piece. I, I totally understand it. I also understand giving those benefits, those small self-benefits, giving them up is scary because you don't know what's waiting for you, and that involves another element of trust. So even though something is so painful, it's so familiar, and that call to keep it as is is a much bigger call than the unknown. But here's what happens. When the pain of the familiar becomes worse than the fear of the unknown, that's when we move. So maybe there's an element of it that's just not bad enough, or maybe it's just not painful enough, or maybe you think you need to manage it somehow. No, you don't. There's healing. So, oh, they're mad at me. We're ready. I guess what's a little more. So, <laughs> but it's, it's because, it's because I, I can't help it. I just I love everybody who's going through this because I get it. I, I'm, I'm right well, with Well, Debbie, anyway. that's, uh, okay. let me just make note of what you just said. Sure. Because, you know, you acknowledge, first of all, that for some people this is hard to hear. For some people oh, it evokes yeah. a response of defensiveness and maybe even anger. And yet you say, mm-hmm. but I need to say this because I care about these people, because I love these oh, people, because you're committed to healing. And you know that if someone's going to heal, they're going to have to work through this stuff. Oh, you know, transformation is not a gentle process. It's just not. It's, you know, I use this example of the butterfly. The caterpillar doesn't just stick a pair of wings on and say, I'm a butterfly now. The caterpillar on a, you know, a random Tuesday, think about what happens here, makes a decision, is no longer willing to live life as a caterpillar, hangs itself from a tree, dies to the life it's known. It really, think about what happens, dies to the life it's known spins a cocoon around itself, is willing to be deconstructed, emulsified, unrecognizable from anything it once was. Only because it was willing to do that does it get to emerge as one of the most beautiful creatures on our planet, the butterfly. The caterpillar could never become the butterfly if it wasn't willing to go through that, just as the listeners 
cannot become that highest and best version they are meant to be if they are not willing to go through a bit of a messy process. There's really no way to make it easy, but I just want everybody to know, I, I mean, that is what I'm on this planet for, to help help people move through it because it's hard. And people like you with what you're doing, you're giving everyone such a service by giving them that hand and that support. And if we take advantage of that, it's a time where we're the least likely to reach out and where we need it the most. So you're providing a gift for everyone. Well, I know my story is on the other side. You know, it's the one who is the betrayer, not the betrayed. But when I'm talking to my clients and they're looking for hope and they're wondering what it's going to look like, you know, I'm, I'm very honest with them. Listen, in the stories where the couples find a restored marriage or when a, a relationship falls apart but the individuals find their healing, the path to that is always messy and painful. There's just not this cut and dry, take these three steps in the next few days and you're there. It's difficult and it's painful. And the only reason that you and I would do this work, because it is hard and it's difficult watching people go through this, is because of the certainty that there is that hopeful outcome on the other side, that we've seen the reality of that in our lives and in the lives of clients that we work with. You know, you've pointed out that my story has taken me to this vocation. Mm -hmm. Yours has taken you to where you are now. The clients we work with, their end story may be something completely different, but it's going to be something that weaves in this pain and this change, just like the caterpillar becoming a butterfly, and it's something that really can be good. But when you are stuck in that stage mm -hmm. three, that mm -hmm. just seems like that's the reality, and it's hard to see the light out of that space. Yeah. It's hard to grab on to hope. But whether you can see it or not, whether you even believe it completely or not, it, it is true. And I'll tell you, one of the scariest parts for me and one of the most profound ways that, that I healed, and I know you asked me for ways to heal, and this is probably one of the biggest, was being vulnerable. And that's mm -hmm. terrifying. And think about it, you sharing your story is being vulnerable right? Because people can judge, people can say all kinds of things. Me sharing my story was something absolutely terrifying for me. And I remember here I was on, when I was seeing clients one-on-one -on -one, and I saw how them hearing my story gave them hope and gave them ideas. So it made me realize, listen, if my intention truly is to help people on a bigger scale, well, then I can't just speak privately to my clients in my office. It's got to be on a, on a bigger setting. In being vulnerable, you heal. In teaching, you heal. But for whatever stage you're at, one of the greatest things you can do is writing a coherent narrative. And this is something that you can do to heal from really any kind of life crisis. It's incredibly healing for betrayal. And here's where you're really asking yourself a bunch of questions. What's the benefit of this experience? And you're like, benefit? Yeah. What maybe the rules for a relationship have changed going forward. Maybe you didn't realize how lovable, worthy, and deserving you were, and going forward, you're going to make sure you're treated with a certain level of respect. You know, maybe uh, boundaries were crossed. Whatever it was, here's an opportunity to see what can I take from this and use it to help me going forward. What will I never allow again? What will I see so clearly come in my way that I'm like, there's no chance I'm saying yes to that. See, 
people show up in our lives to teach us something we haven't learned. And maybe, maybe that lesson was that you need to be treated with more respect and you weren't getting the lesson and now here's the mother of all betrayals coming along showing you, oh my gosh, you know what? I will never allow X, Y, and Z. Lesson learned. Once that lesson's learned, it doesn't need to keep showing up and bashing you over the head again. So what are the gains? What have you learned to appreciate? What do you, learn, what do you see now? And something like that, writing that coherent narrative is so healing for so many people. Debbie, if someone wanted to find out more about you or the services that you provide, what's the easiest way for them to I would say that, that the best thing to do is take the quiz just to see if they're struggling from post-betrayal syndrome. And that's right at PBT, post-betrayal transformation, pbtinstitute.com forward slash quiz. We'll put that in our show notes as well. Thank you for the work you do and for taking time to just tell us a bit about your story and offer this message of hope to the people who listen to our podcast and uh, best to you on the continued work that you do in helping people thanks. heal as well. Keep doing it. Oh, thanks. <laughs> thanks, you too. Talk to you soon. Take care. The Recovery Room Podcast is a resource provided by AffairHealing.com. For more information about the podcast and resources for a fair recovery, including archives of past programs and the schedule for upcoming ones, please go to affairhealing.com slash podcast. I'm your host, Tim Tedder. See you next time.